Hello and welcome back to Black Oak Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for a new series entitled Southland. It is now on HBO Max, but this series has uh, actually been on quite a few networks. It's had a very interesting run. Uh, we will take a peek behind the curtains. But before we do, I do have to put a disclaimer out there. I have watched this series. This would be the second time I've watched it. Um, I don't remember almost anything. <laughs> except maybe one or two things. But this will be a rewatch. Uh, Mimi and Shy should be joining in when they get caught up <laughs> but it has been a significant amount of time since I've seen this series as well um, I believe it ended around 2011 that's a guess but I'm sure I will clarify in just a moment also wherever you're listening to this podcast do me a favor rate leave a review my social medias will be below in the show notes. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And now let's go ahead and get some facts about the show. I just want to ask Piers, maybe grab a pencil, take some notes. I'm about to drop knowledge. So Southland was uh, created by writer Ann Biderman or Biederman and produced by warner brothers television uh there is a warner brothers joke so that is fantastic the series ran on nbc for one season in 2009 before they canceled it and i remember being up in arms about that but then it was followed by four seasons on tnt from 2010 to 2013 uh, and now it's on HBO Max because they own Warner Brothers is my guess. But the five seasons consist of differing episode numbers. That was a really weird way to say that. <laughs> different numbers of episodes in each season. The first season has seven. The second has six. And then the third, fourth, and fifth have ten. It is a crime drama, of course, and it has a plethora of stars. Some you may recognize, some you may not. Our main cast is Michael Cutlets as John Cooper. I knew him from this show before The Walking Dead, so I had a huge attachment to seen him in that show from this show ben mckenzie as ben sherman i haven't seen him in anything in a while uh regina king as lydia adams sean holtzy as sammy bryant he's always in a lot of shit c thomas howell remember when he played blackface and bill <laughs> as bill dewey dudick Kevin Alejandro, who voices Jace in Arcane. 
as Nate Moretta, Michael McGrady as Daniel Sal Selinger, Tom Everett Scott as Russell Clark, and Araja Arija Barakis as Cheeky Brown. Of course, there's a huge list of recurring characters, but that's as seasons progress. I'm only gonna you know give credit to the main cast i'll shout out some familiar faces once the time arrives where we meet those particular characters so this was a very critically acclaimed show but it felt as if nobody was watching it which was a a huge huge disservice to how fucking good the performances are i remember that much I had my mom watch one episode and she was like, damn, I ain't never been so deep into a show. And it was like at the end of season five. And while the series itself did uh, win, I believe, two Emmys for outstanding stunt coordination, the fact that they didn't get anything for the performances just proves to me that the Academy is full of shit just the way just in the same way they snubbed uh the expanse but that is our peek behind the curtain give credit where credit's due let's hop into the episode okay let's get it the premiere episode unknown trouble was written by ann biederman directed by christopher chulek premiered 49 of 2009 and i gave it a 10 out of 10 i was hooked from beginning to end i i had no memory of anything as i stated previously so it was good to go in with fresh eyes and how things unfolded man it is just really great storytelling how you start at one place and then you back up 18 hours earlier van Deffley drew the short stick on training day but uh <laughs> training day one but man the the way in which you're so there in the action is superb and i know with this being the tumultuous times that we live in a cop-based drama may not feel as if it's something to want to uh engage in but i think it's a good case study um for better and worse right and i think you see that throughout this episode we begin in the chaos of a crime scene as a man lay dead in the street he looked like he was cuffed an injured officer is being placed on a gurney and another man is being arrested and placed in a cop car all the while ben sherman watches in shock this 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 is not okay 18 hours earlier began his training with officer john cooper who tells him about a 203 which is a mayhem that scooped out his own genitals basically i've seen some crazy shit when he doesn't laugh he's like what are you canadian (laughs) why is this one so quiet i think he's canadian or something a little girl is seen tossing a ball after they pass by and then there's just the ball they see a man who is on meth and who has a friend that threw a cat on a roof and he 
wants them to assist him in getting it off the roof and then <laughs> and john says you are too stupid to live i need to use that line more often on more people in youtube comments brother and sister henry and i didn't catch her name fight about the fact that he's taking her phone to go see a hoe and she's cutting school because she got strep throat but that's neither one of them are <laughs> being honest in this moment she yells i hate you we meet sam and moretta they are detectives the latter's wife just kicked him out and thinks he's cheating a co-worker tells him first marriages don't count he says if anyone uh if i complained about my marriage just tell me to go buy a house for someone i don't care about or some something to that effect we also learn a person that was deported raped and murdered someone beforehand and now won't face justice god bless america henry gets off the bus talking to his girl on the phone like i'm almost there i'm about to hit it (laughs) but unfortunately he crosses path with the man that we knew was arrested at the uh, top of the hour because the boy looks visibly scared they decide to call him out he says i don't bang and then they open fire on him Moretta and Sammy are brought to the crime scene with the witnesses crying three girls. I remember I don't know why I said it like that. Janilla and Tanya, but not the third girl's name, who was like, Yeah, my mama told me to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> uh, Moretta wants them to be brought in, even though they are currently not snitching though they are crying a local thinks marijuana will stop all the game banging he's like you can bring that up with your city councilman detectives adams and clark are assigned to the missing girl with adams calming down the mother who accuses the father of being strung out a rich douchebag in the middle of the street in a bright ass yellow car gets pulled over after doing a u-turn an illegal u-turn turns out he knows ben because ben's father is some high profile lawyer and he come for money despite his friend begging him to help him out he is arrested for possession this poor girl trying to call her brother who was 15 years old by the way and not affiliated with any gang now in the hospital i'm surprised he didn't go straight to the morgue directly with all them damn bullets lydia adams takes care of the missing girl's mother and speaks with neighbors like she's very maternal you get that she controls everything around her the mother is very barely comprehensive because clearly she got problems as well she has drug problems it seems she gets her some tea and a jacket then she goes over to speak with some of the neighbors who are all concerned that she's a nice girl if there's anything we can do to help there is one man that stands out by the name of blaine who talks about her in a very familiar fashion 
too familiar and that she wasn't as developed as other girls her age. Creeper. Oh man. Lydia, noticing the red flag, decides that, hey, you are all so nice. Why don't you just give me your first and last name and contact number? Ben and Cooper have lunch with Dewey and Chicky, the latter being an absolute misogynist going so far as to put his partner in a chokehold as a joke something ben took offense over ben also threatened to do him physical or not ben john cooper threatened to do him physical harm if he kept bullying her ambition to join swat they seem to be supportive friends lydia gets a warrant for the weird dude blaine and has her partner russ distract the mother by taking her somewhere to get coffee but warning him not to allow her to monopolize his emotions as she has people for that and that clearly is a problem for russ he he seems to have empathy in in waves john asks ben if this is his stepping stone to a better career in politics so on and so forth ben says no sir but he doesn't believe him (laughs) sammy gets a call from wife tammy who wants a baby despite having nothing in common anymore according to sammy he then tells her he can't talk about this right now goes out and charms the witnesses into testifying or talking with them particularly janilla like where'd you hear that where'd you hear you have to testify in court like why are you trying to play them for fools but seeing the crime you kind of understand the push pull for justice cooper and ben get to the dead body you can smell two blocks away with the landlord having ignored it and simply cutting off the power because he was behind on his rent animal control is called for the dogs that sound like they definitely got rabies russ at the diner is making promises to miss davis that he cannot keep within two seconds animal control shows up to deal with the cujos the dead body is finally discovered in a chair and it is gruesome so much so that ben runs outside and pukes with john shaking his head stop being a fucking pussy and start being an asshole dewey and cheeky show up he wants to take the dogs but the animal control woman tells him once they've tasted human flesh because we saw the fingers missing and it looked like they ate his face too they must be put down dewey makes a disgusting sexual reference saying well i went south on a girl or my ex-wife does that mean i need to be put down she looked at him like are you fucking under the impression that you cannot be reported at all tori spelling continues to receive judgy eyes however cheeky stops him from doing something he would regret and that it's not personal what's his problem there are many theories sammy and nate question janila who is hesitant to speak up however sammy continues to try to charm her and she has aspirations of being an officer of the law adams conducts the search on blaine's apartment and they find kitty porn upon leaving she notices a large amount of ants 
Ben continues to meet more of John's friends, Vic and Eddie and Vice and Shauna, whom he trained. He drags the man picked up for soliciting before <laughs> they hear Shauna let someone go trying to get a blowjob with a baby in the backseat. John tells him it's like driving through the sewer in a glass bottom boat. He tells Boot, which is code for trainee, if he doesn't have the stomach, quit now and do everyone a favor. The girl who kept her mouth shut, her mama shows up and takes her and Janila away, telling Sammy, unless he lives in the hood and thus understands the consequences of her talking to you, shut the hell up. Janila's like, you can call me if you want to, girl, not without a lawyer. Get the hell up out of here. Miranda knows that woman is definitely filing a complaint since they question minors without their parents, and that's a valid, valid uh decision or valid complaint to be made they definitely put them in danger eschewing the truth with we can move you as if that's what i want with my life ben and cooper get an unknown trouble call due to a noise complaint it's end of watch and it's his call and feeling froggy ben decides to leap i hurt myself today Nate and Sammy go to question the bus driver who recants her statement of identifying the shooters, explaining to them that people have lost too much living in their own war of terror because everyone bangs and I gotta live here. Janilla calls to give them the license plate number she wrote down but didn't want to share with anyone around her. She is a smart girl, but she also better hope nobody figures that out because this is still a pending case that they need to prove when ben and john get to the call he has him run the plates as this could be a cop ambush just as someone throws a bottle at their car moretta and sammy locate the owner of the vehicle who just got out of jail with droopy the snitch saying they are doing abgs which means anybody goes they put out an APB for the vehicle that matches the unknown trouble call with backup showing up in the form of Dewey and Cheeky. They, of course, don't realize because the APB went out too late that this is uh, a suspect in a attempted murder case. Dewey thinks they should call in SWAT, but at this point, it's just drunk cholos. I'm sorry if that's a... I didn't look up that term i'm just repeating what was said in the episode they get the drop on the group with dewey ordering the man be taken down to the the man that we knew from the beginning was dead being taken down to the car but then he does it himself when ben declines having not finished searching him dewey pulls rank and gets shot for his breach in protocol how that feel very happy <laughs> I like this very quick karmic action, right? You have this guy, he's new. He just came out of Academy one month ago. So he's used to doing things by the book, doing things by the book. And then you have someone who's been doing it a very long time and thinks that they are superior. And yet, because they've been doing it so long, because they are not following those particular rules it does put them in in danger of losing their lives like even 
um john he sat there he was still doing his job he's a superior officer as well he doesn't pull rank because technically i think that yeah he's the he is the highest rank at the crime scene even though it very much felt that john was running was point for this but yeah it's like you the rules are there for a reason just because you're the law just because you think you have the gun you're not the superior in that situation just because you have him in cuffs as well so feeling uneasy and alert ben saved his life by killing the man because he took about three shots to the gut and he would have kept emptying his whole clip in him poor henry is in the hospital on a respirator and his sister is haunted by the last word she said that she didn't mean her mama is tired of kids shooting kids for wearing or being the wrong color lydia gives an interview to the press assures mr davis and then leaves to go check on her mom ben is shooketh still john takes him aside for a private chat he thinks his shooting is superb he tries to tease him like where did you learn that the beverly hills shooting range then the internal affairs people show up and he said you heard of warner brothers this is warner brother don't lie (laughs) that's his words of advice ben can't be callous about the fact that he just killed someone and i loved his response what did you think the gun was for show and tell john breaks it all the way down look you're gonna go to therapy you're gonna find jesus buddha whomever you'll find a solution and then you'll drag your fried ass out of bed and do it all over again because this is the front seat of or two the greatest show on earth can you abuse it yes sir you can and you will i guarantee it because it's relentless and it gets to you you make no difference and sure some days there are rests but taking one off the street for good that shit is god's work ben's like he gives him his training log and tells him look you're a cop because you can't not be and if you're a pussy then quit when lydia gets home she notices ants that were over a dead cockroach and a light bulb goes off she goes back to the scene and discovers the trail but is then hit in the back of the head or the front of the head it looked like the back of the head but the bandage was on the front of the head so i got very confused (laughs) by arsham the son i will say uh he took the 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 maybe he just panicked in that moment he really didn't intend to kill a cop and then when he tried to pull the trigger he's like yeah i can't i don't want to make this worse than it already is because he very readily admitted that he killed the girl she wouldn't stop being she wouldn't stop making noise i, I really was it's like why knock her out but she discovers the body in the closet and it's clear he did something to her that was not kosher more than strangling as poor agata has to come in and see what her son has done that was heartbreaking because she's like what the fuck but she's also hitting him like what the fuck ben goes to the hospital to ask if dewey is okay but cheeky just strains a smile and leaves 
Henry's sister is in the waiting room reading Beloved. Somehow, no way Henry's gonna live. She's impressed that he went to Black Studies because that shit is definitely an elective in college and isn't disgusted that he's a police officer. Moretta's got a family and Sammy went home to Tammy to make one. Lydia deals with the tragedy as her mom continues to ask, is that you down there? Yes, mom, who else the fuck is it gonna be? Uh, John runs into the guy that got arrested in the back of the cop car and both say they had a crappy day. Despite his harsh treatment, when Ben reads his training log, John writes that he is a superior officer and performed to the highest caliber. And that's how we end the episode. This is how you do a pilot. You you give a little bit of something to each character. It was very concise. You got a good feel for who they were. It didn't need to go into some long monologue. Even um, the, the lecture <laughs> that John gave to, to Ben was something that was warranted for that moment. Like, yeah, if you're going to do this, this is what it is. And you should know that up front. So this girl that I know named Shy, right when I'm finishing this shit up, gonna send me some feedback. <laughs> but I am happy that she sent it. So let's hear what she has to say about this first episode. Hey Christina, it's me Shy. I'm here to give my feedback for the not so new but new series that we are watching, Southland, season one, episode one. Um, yeah, I sorry for the delay in getting this to you. That was not what I intended. I got caught up binge watching Peacemaker after I got caught up on Raised by Wolves, and so. I wasn't thinking about the shows that you were going to be doing podcasts for this weekend. And then now here I am trying to rush and watch it and give feedback. Um, but yes, I enjoyed this um, episode. You know that I like these types of shows, crime dramas. Um, we got into the FBI ones before we stopped, 911 and all that stuff. This one is definitely more on the grittier side of things. Um, you know, the depicting Los Angeles and how that, the, the different levels, like the detectives and the um, police officers that are on the um, on the streets. Um, pretty much like they did with, did they do that with 911? I don't think we see too many detectives. Um, we see them once in a while though. Um, but. I don't know if I ever said this um, before, but I, there was a moment in time when I was younger that uh, I thought about joining the police force. Uh, it was right around the time I thought I was getting out of the military after I had done my four years. Um, yeah, part of me 
contemplated what I wanted to do next, what, where I want to go next in my career. What did I want to go back to school? Did I want to, um, yeah, what, if, what career I wanted to go into. And police officer was one of the ones I had thought about for a bit. And yeah, just <laughs> that it just wasn't for me. I, even though, you know, being in the military, we're training for potentially going to war and and there's some similarities between police and military but there's a lot of differences for instance uh, again it's we're training but we're not in the war zone we're not in that environment day in and day out and that's basically what a police officer role law enforcement they at any given moment uh, their day can turn sideways and so they're constantly in that in that mode whereas we're only in that mode when we go into these different war these different either war zones or um different places but when we're home in the states where we're just like we're just training um or getting ready or getting our minds right for those types of environment um so yeah and plus i don't i i, I can't stand the side of blood so that's one thing um just a lot and so I just fi- I figured it wasn't for me um and so watching this show it just re-emphasized that because I felt like I said it, I, this was a lot grittier and more it, it just felt more realistic to what could possibly go down in LAPD um and so yeah it was really good um, anyone, I know that, I don't know about you, but I, I suspected that, uh, Arabic guy, I think he's Arabic, um, from jump, um, he, he was just too eager and it was just too obvious. Um, and then of course the white guy, it was too obvious that he was like the, the, the distraction from the actual guy. Like we were supposed, he was so over the top with how, what he was saying um, and it could be interpreted in so many ways. And so it was like, yeah, obviously they're gonna focus on that dude. And then the actual suspect is gonna be that, I mean, the actual perpetrator, the person that did it, it's gonna be, I was hoping that she would still be alive though. I was hoping that maybe she was just tied up somewhere in his basement. So I was pretty, it was sad to see that he actually killed her. Um, oh, parents' worst nightmare. I tell you what, that's why I was I was one of those paranoid moms. Um, I think the luckily for me, uh, um, quite a few of the duty stations that I've been a part of, I lived on base, and so that was a you know safe place for kids to roam around and be kids, and I felt secure with that because we. You know, it was one. It was a true community where everybody looked out for everybody else's kid, and so it you felt comfortable letting your kid roam around and run free and all that stuff. So I had a couple of duty stations like that. So it I, I didn't have that anxiety of my kid being out and me not, you know, not watching them and wondering where they're at. But there was one place that. Um, no, actually, I, I mean, I've honestly never been anywhere where I felt like the the anxiety, anxiety, but definitely more secure while 
I was living on base because, you know, people got to go through the gate, go out of the gate. Um, and like I said, everybody knew everybody. Um, and so everybody looked out for everybody's kids. So it was an amazing community feel. So um, unlike when I lived out in town, um, I knew some neighbors, but it wasn't the same. Um, so that was sad seeing that um, the the teenage kid that got shot up by the gang that was pretty sad. I mean, I remember hearing a lot about this, um, when, especially when I lived in California. We would get a lot of the more of the news that went on in L.A. and, you know, the gang shootings, the gang wars. And and this is I think this is around the time. I mean, I know it's still happening, but I don't hear it as much anymore. Of course, I don't watch the news like I used to. And uh, like I keep saying, I don't have cable. So anything I know or hear about is from social media or other people. Um, so, yeah, but it just goes to show it, it in that, you know, the mom for one of the girls that they were questioning is just it just brought up one of the things that was um, talked about uh, during all, all the Black Lives Matter and you know, police reform, all the things, you know, defund the police, all that stuff that was going around um, for a while is that, you know, that community feel that's missing because cops don't live in the communities that they serve. They come in from wherever they live and then they try to call themselves policing this community. And there's this disconnect between the police and the community and the the people that they call themselves um, responsible for protecting and serving because they're not some of the time doing it the way they supposed to do it or is that they don't really they can't relate to this community because they don't know the people of the community and that makes a difference I feel when you are of the community even if you don't live there if you are from the community that makes a difference too so when you're just as person is white in this case white guy that lives somewhere in the suburbs I'm assuming and then you just come in and then you're trying to tell these people how it is and what the you know right and wrong they're not going to respond the way you would someone that they feel is of the people if that's the best way to put it so yeah it's it's just it just highlights again that what those what those issues why those issues are there and if you're not from the the community and you don't live in a community then that's where community relations is so important that you get out there and try to make those connections and that's what's definitely missing um the new guy the rookie uh i'm guessing he's one of we're going to be following him along um on his journey as a new cop and how that goes um it just kind of jacked up that his first day on the job you know he has to kill somebody I'm very interested in his story. It sounds like he's some rich kid that, you know, wants to do this job. And it takes all kinds. I know, you know, this guy, his, uh, the guy that he was running or riding with was, you know, giving him a hard time. And that's probably part of the, the ribbing and the hazing that goes on in that type of environment. But it's like, you know, not everybody is going to be, it's not going to just be poor people or middle class people that want to be cops. Sometimes, you know, rich people, people that come for money want, you know, have that passion as well to serve. So 
Anyway, um, I'm almost out of time, so I could go on and on and on, but I won't. And I know I need to get this in. I'm probably late anyway. You probably did the podcast already. But until next time, much love, peace, and Black Girl Magic, Queen of the Couch, Shy. Girl, when I say you was right on time, I mean, I was just uh, finishing up the last touches, and it wasn't too much of a hassle. <laughs> But I'm glad to get your opinion because you're, you're, I think Mimi has seen it before, but it's been a long time. So you're, you're our only truly fresh perspective. So, uh, glad you can make it. You made a lot of relevant points about, um, you know, being a part of that community. Of course, that's a big thing. You need to be able to relate to the people that you want to trust you. I think a lot of people or a lot of officers love the protect part because it's a gun and a badge and it's authority and the servant part is where they miss the message some of them uh but yeah i i like the fact that they're bringing someone who seems to genuinely come from a different place and has you know la is two different worlds and they do take a lot of true stories from uh crimes that have happened in this area to uh to really bring that realism to this show so i'm i'm happy to see uh this is not a fbi this is not a 911 this is no this is truly what it feels like to be a lapd officer again for better and worse i don't know what the fuck with these neighbors uh <laughs> i heard your son's bumping in the background too i was like damn they getting it I thought it was my neighbors for a minute, but nah, that was that was all you, boo. So if you want to send feedback on our next episode, we'll be doing these on Saturday until I think there's a little bit of a change up in mid-March. So blackercouch at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below on this podcast. My social media will be there as well. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.